Welcome to Ideogen Insights. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ideogen's podcast series focusing on topics of interest to internal auditors across Europe and North America in 2023. My name is Stephanie Jones, and I am the head of audit and risk here at Ideogen. In each episode of our podcast series, we will look at a specific topic and evaluate the impact it will have on internal audit departments. And in today's episode, we will be discussing artificial intelligence, and I am very pleased to be joined by Boage. Boage is the head of IT governance at Compliance Path. Boage, would you like to introduce yourself and speak a bit more to your background? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Stephanie. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me to join the show. Uh, very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, very excited, very excited to be given this opportunity to talk with you about our uh, topic today of AI. Uh, so my name is Boage Yandras, uh, and I don't hold it against you if you don't uh, pronounce it ideally at every occasion. Uh, I work for Compliance Path, uh, which is part of the Ideagen uh, family of companies. Uh, and at Compliance Path, we specialize in computer systems assurance and validation, IT governance and compliance. Uh, I have been with Compliance Path for about four years now, of which the last three in my current role uh, as the head of IT governance, as you mentioned. Uh, my background is largely in the life science industry, uh, so a very heavily regulated industry. Uh, and in the last uh, three years, as the head of IT governance, I have been working uh, mostly in the, uh, in the information security and IT controls space. Uh, and I'm also a trained ISO uh, 13485 internal auditor and uh, ISO 27001 internal and lead auditor. Great. Thank you so much for that introduction and um, for joining me today and talking about this topic that you're um, very well qualified to talk about. So thank you. So let's start with just a basic question, just to make sure that all the listeners are on the same page. So what exactly is artificial intelligence? Yeah, sure. Uh, so broadly speaking, uh, artificial intelligence uh, is a technology that mimics human intelligence. Uh, so it's designed to perform functions that we generally associate with human cognition. So in other words, it's the science of making machines smart. Uh, and one way of accomplishing that is by what's known as machine learning. So that's programming the AI system to have the ability to learn first from a provided data set uh, and then to improve based on the feedback on its performance that it receives over time. Uh, and this allows for these uh, AI systems to you know, reach or potentially surpass human abilities and potentially get even exponentially more powerful uh, because their abilities, they grow as a factor of the amount of computation that is being invested into them. So the more resources researchers invest into them, you know, the, 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 the bigger, the uh, faster the, the growth. Uh, I think here when we talk about AI and something to keep in mind throughout this show is that the distinction that's worth making is between the general AI and narrow AI. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the time when people hear or think of AI, uh, you know, they can associate it with a kind of an all-singing, all-dancing system, uh, you know, perhaps like a cyborg or a robot, like, you know, something out of Star Wars almost. Uh, that, you know, so a system that would be able to like simulate human cognitive abilities and when presented with a completely unfamiliar task, it could find a solution uh, and also could do it faster and better than a human. Uh, you know, so that's what we would call general AI. And 
you know, frankly, that's something that doesn't exist yet. And we don't actually know if it will ever exist to that extent. Uh, you know, so to bring it to where we are today, when nowadays, when we talk about AI, we're generally talking about like specialized AI systems. Uh, so what the industry calls narrow AI. So these are technologies that have a single specific use. For example, they can write, write software code or they can interpret or generate images, uh, answer a question or have a like a chat conversation with a human. Uh, they can drive a car, you know, to some extent, better or worse nowadays. Uh, they can be used to detect things like money laundering uh, or solving a particular scientific, uh, scientific problem. Uh, so these are already, you know, all applications that we see the AI technology is being used for. Uh, and there are more coming, you know, basically every day, uh, particularly in areas where there is a lot of data uh, that is that cannot be easily analyzed by conventional uh, logic-based or rule-based algorithms. Uh, and that's, you know, that's really where the predictive quality of, of AI really comes into play and where, the, where they show their, their strengths. Uh, so I think to summarize, kind of in, in general, when talking about AI, I think it's worth thinking of AI not as a single tool uh, or, or like a single goal, uh, but as a whole new approach or a whole new science of solving problems, uh, which allows computers uh, to tackle a variety of tasks and challenges across like a broad spectrum of what are traditionally considered mm -hmm. human activities. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. Sometimes it can be better. If there's anything that can help me parallel park my car more effectively, I'm all for that. So <laughs> um, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So given that, how do you believe that uh, businesses can leverage AI to benefit them? Yeah, that's a that's a good, very relevant question. Uh, I'll, I'll start by taking a, a step back first, if you'll allow me, because uh, mm -hmm. I think that AI presents a really interesting paradox. Uh, for businesses, but also for all of us, you know, engaged in a modern economy, because on the one hand, uh, AI is already widely talked about in the media. You know, we're doing a podcast about it. Uh, people are generally aware that it is a technology that's going to affect them, uh, their careers and businesses in some way. And some people are maybe already using it. Uh, so on the on the one hand, you know, it is a widely recognized topic, but on the other hand, like to me, it seems that uh, the end state of where we are likely going to end up, you know, in the prevalence of AI systems, that it is widely underappreciated, actually. Uh, so in 2018, it was Sundar Pichai, the, the CEO of Google, who said about artificial intelligence that it is, uh, and I quote, one of the most important things that humanity is working on. Uh, it's more profound than electricity or fire. And, you know, I, I heard that and I thought that sounds like a bit of an exaggeration, right? But then I stopped, <laughs> I stopped to think about it. Uh, and the way I think about it now is that, you know, everything that we have achieved so far as a humanity, all the culture and innovation, education, enterprises we've created, businesses we've built, uh, you know, we've done all of it using our human intelligence guided by our human ways. Uh, and that's really about to change with the widespread use of these AI systems that are not human and do not think and make predictions as we do. Uh, you know, so I want to caveat this discussion on the base of that and, you know, saying that by its very nature, this, this topic of artificial intelligence, uh, it is 
constantly constantly developing uh, and as a result of this these you know these conversations i think tend to be highly speculative almost verging on, on futurism uh, you know and maybe we'll, we'll talk about the future uh, a lot here today uh, mm-hmm. and you know because what can be achieved today uh, is so much more than it was possible like a year ago or two years ago and that will just keep happening so it's i think it's extremely difficult for anyone with you know with high confidence to really imagine exactly how this technology and the systems will ultimately develop and what role exactly they will play in our lives and in our businesses. Uh, so, you know, personally, I believe that eventually every business will have at least a portion and perhaps a you know a fairly significant portion of its activities that are going to be transformed or, you know, potentially entirely replaced by an AI-based system in some form. So that's my perspective. And that's how... Mm-hmm how I'm approaching this conversation today. Uh, so having said all that, that was my that was my caveat, right? And I'm going back to your question, Stephanie, uh, which was about leveraging AI to benefit businesses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, already uh, information workers are making use of tools that are available to them online. I'll give you an example. My wife, uh, she's a teacher. Uh, and she uses uh, specialized AI tools to create worksheets for her pupils, marking rubrics, to generate feedback and lesson plans. And you know, even during their lessons, her pupils are chatting with historical figures uh, and you know, asking them questions about what it was like back in the day, right? Based on mm. based on what we know uh, about the uh, about those times and what those figures uh, have written and how they would have been interacting with in their times. Uh, you know, meanwhile, I use ChatGPT, right? Uh, hands up, I'll admit it. I use it to help me write proposals and emails and maybe policy outlines and to summarize compliance guidance and standards for myself and for my clients, right? So generally, I use it to assist with my written communication. Uh, so, you know, from these examples, like I think every role that relies on human cognition, on remembering facts, on analyzing, presenting information and, you know, making any decisions, all that can be done faster and more efficient, more efficiently, uh, with the help of a, of some AI system, uh, and you know that may be a system that's already available or something that is going to be available pretty soon, uh, and this really allows humans to spend more time doing things that only humans can do. You know, so speaking to my wife, you know, that's inspiring children by interacting with them and really getting to know them better. Uh, and spending her time more productively in that sense. Uh, for me, it may be talking to clients and again, so generally activities that require empathy. Uh, so I think it's, you know, in business uh, scenarios, I think it's especially important for managers and for business leaders to keep informed on what tools are available, what tools are becoming available in their markets, to make use of these AI tools and to help their teams really perform at their best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. There has been a lot of talk uh, recently about chat GPT and you mentioned it yourself, Boaje. Um, so can you just go a little bit further into what that is and um, how you think that internal auditors specifically might be able to use that? I have some thoughts as well, but curious your kind of thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll start by uh, I'll start by explaining chat GPT and we can then talk about how it can be used by internal audit, maybe exchange our experiences. Uh, so ChatGPT, that's it's basically a 
an advanced chatbot, a very advanced chatbot uh, developed by a company called OpenAI. Uh, and it can engage in a written conversation and produce texts uh, that can resemble what a person could write when asked a question. Uh, it's powered by a large language model called GPT, uh, and it has a huge collection of examples of language use in all sorts of domains, mostly, com uh, mostly collected from the internet. Uh, and that allows it to sound really natural to a human because it has this huge pool of text that has been written by humans. Uh, and currently the free version uses the GPT model 3.5, and this was released in November of 2022. And then since March of this year, of 2023, the paid version uh, that uses the GPT-4 model. Uh, and I'm mentioning this uh, because earlier this year, uh, OpenAI demonstrated that GPT-4 can take a simulated bar exam and pass with a result in like top 10% of all test takers. Oh, uh, wow. you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so in other words, it performs better than 90% of humans who would take the same exam. Yeah, and I, that was my reaction as well when I, when I heard that, you know, I find it incredibly impressive just the, you know, the comprehension that it shows of, of human language and the, the question and the factuality it can do in such a, it is a narrow task, right? But nonetheless, it's very, very impressive. And it also just shows how fast this technology is improving. Uh, because in the same test, the GPT 3.4 scores in the bottom 10%. So that's progress from, you know, from November to March in just four months, uh, at least using tools that are now publicly available, right? So I find it like really incredible how much better these systems are getting and how quickly. Uh, so what may be possible today you know, what may not be possible to, to, do, to be done today, that can absolutely be done next year, right? And that's just an example of it, right? So that's, that's ChatGPT. Uh, and, you know, to take it to the space of internal audit, you know, that introduction about ChatGPT and how it can take a bar exam, you know, it hasn't been designed to take a bar exam. Uh, and also it hasn't been designed, you know, with like in the area of compliance or internal audit in mind. Uh, and yet, you know, it is already at a point where it can be useful as a, as a tool. Uh, and for example, you know, an auditor can already use ChatGPT to help with writing some of the audit plan or, or the report. So, you know, basically, you know, like I mentioned earlier, in my, in my experience, any task that requires writing or generating text, uh, that can be made more efficient already with the help of this tool. Uh, and in my experience of auditing, you know, there tends to be a lot of writing to report results. So there's certainly a lot of room for finding efficiency. Uh, how about how about you, Stephanie? What's your experience yeah, I, look like there? I agree with that uh, completely. The biggest deliverable coming out of the internal audit department and coming out of an internal audit specifically is that audit report. So I see it being helpful, of course, with validation, right? So there's always that. But um, it being helpful in writing. Um, I think sometimes um, internal auditors can have a negative language when it comes to, to writing reports. So maybe it could lighten that, um, maybe it could lighten that uh, just language and, and make it a little more positive spin. Um, I also think where I've thought about how it could be helpful. So not just with the audit report, but also with the audit program itself. Um, just so if you're going into a new area as an internal auditor, and maybe you haven't uh, audited it before, and you don't know where to start, what to look at, 
perhaps it could point you in, in with some suggestions and possibilities of things. So the audit program also. Um, and then lastly, the other kind of third area that I wrote down was just around um, education. So I know a lot of auditors are in the financial services space. I used to be a, a an auditor at um, Vanguard Mutual Funds. And there were some mutual fund concepts that I did not, uh, you know, that, that were difficult to grasp at first and things around like futures tradings and derivatives and all of that. And uh, just almost serving as like a cliff notes of what that could look like and what those concepts are would be very helpful as an auditor when you're trying to understand your business and be knowledgeable about your business. So I think it could help in that as well. Sure. Yeah, that that all makes sense. And I think you made a really good point there about you know the language of the uh, auditors and how uh, you know an auditor comes very often with a certain mindset uh, that uh, you know could be uh, could be maybe made a bit less uh, you know challenging with the help of a of a, right. a yeah a tool helping helping write write that. Uh, I think you know also. You know, you're pointing there to kind of a cooperation of a of a human and and the machine. I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind here, right? Uh, you know, likewise, we could think of you know, in some far fetched uh, future, maybe not so far fetched future, uh, there being a commercial system that you know, given all the data and all the evidence from the organization being audited, it could perhaps analyze all the information and then produce a full internal audit report with very minimal oversight, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I think the, the challenge there, uh, you know, taking it in one or the other direction is that the, you know, the reliance on this type of automation, uh, the challenge with, with that is that auditing, you know, is not purely a data science. And, you know, an AI model, at least for the time being, I think it can't distinguish on its own what is true and what is not. And it only understands what has been written down and really takes it at face value. And that can, you know, that can be taken advantage of, uh, you know, so I think it would be fair to say that, you know, there's space for that human interaction where it just cannot be replaced completely, uh, you know, when it comes to, say, conducting an interview with, uh, with human oddities uh, and, you know, listening for what is being said and also just importantly, what isn't, what isn't being said. Uh, yes, I think again, I'm you know I'm landing on kind of helping the human auditor by giving them tools to achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. So, Chat GPT aside, um, how else do you think that I that AI can relate to the industry, the internal audit, risk management, compliance industries? Yeah, I think that's you know that's a really good question because that is a sphere, in my opinion, that's certainly ripe for innovation driven by AI. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that it is going to be an area of major development in the near future. Uh, you know, I, in preparation for our conversation, I found some examples. According to Deloitte, there are you know some internal audit organizations that are already piloting the use of AI to proactively identify emerging risks for risk assessments. Uh, you know, but it's, I think it's fair to say that it's still, still a fairly new and, and kind of growing area. Uh, but, you know, looking a bit to the future, I think in general, these AI tools adopted for data analytics of large data sets, they can assist in the identification and mitigation of risks. They can monitor compliance uh, kind of on a more ongoing basis. They can help with detection and investigation of uh, potential violations, you know, policy violations, fraud, 
that might otherwise not be spotted by the existing methods or by you know, human analysts or auditors. Uh, I think a good example could be monitoring for and identifying unusual financial transactions in a like a massive stream of real-time data, uh, or perhaps monitoring of controls based on data ingested from multiple sources from various other systems using AI prediction algorithms. Uh, the other examples I can think of, you know, inter an internal auditing, uh, generally anything to do with text, right? So automatic analysis of like text-heavy documentation. Uh, you know, you could you could feed the system, uh, you know, the entire set of companies' policies and procedures, uh, have it run its analysis and uh, the tests uh, for controls, uh, and very quickly come to a conclusion whether you know whether they comply with a certain framework or not. Uh, then things like population testing, you know, we could really get a sample of one hundred percent, and that becomes a possibility when you're not relying on a limited resource, you know, of human time. Uh, and also, you know, like we mentioned already, the generation of automated, like text-based uh, audit reports, uh, which is obviously a, a huge uh, time sink for for auditors these days. Mm. You know, in general, I think it's it's quite difficult to be definitive about exactly how AI will affect internal audit or risk and compliance departments. But I think it's fair to say that it is a field that will will really see a lot of AI-based tools. I think because compliance is such an important focus, especially in larger organizations uh, that actually have the budgets to invest in this kind of technology. Uh, and, you know, looking at it from a compliance perspective, I think we may also actually get to a place where regulations effectively mandate compliance activities that realistically could also could only be achieved by uh, the use of like AI models and tools. Uh, you know, again, I'm, in particular, I'm thinking of analyzing like large data sets in near real time uh, using predictive heuristics rather than using standard logical or rule-based algorithms. And that's really where these systems would excel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here at IdeaGen, um, as the person who is responsible for uh, leading the roadmap for our internal audit and risk management software platforms, I've certainly challenged myself to look at how we can incorporate AI into our our audit and risk platforms to help auditors do their job more effectively, efficiently. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity and uh, we can really capitalize on AI to, to make auditors' lives easier. And I'll probably be coming to you at some point, Boise, and, and asking for your input on that as well, because you have some great ideas there. Um, okay, so we've talked a lot about the just kind of the, some of the use cases for AI and, and how businesses can really leverage AI and what that is. But so switching gears a little bit, um, is AI a concern for organizations in your opinion and, and why or why not? Yeah, I think, I think definitely, uh, you know, it absolutely is. And there are, I think, several areas of concern that organizations need to be aware of. Uh, you know, we've touched on some of them already, uh, you know, Obviously, the issue of job disruption, uh, you know, I think there does need to be a balance found with embracing these new technologies and how that will affect the people within organizations. Uh, you know, I think the thing to say would be that people need to be brought along on this journey. Uh, and also, we need to be really realistic about how just how transformative this technology is going to be prepared for that. 
you know, the other concerns I can think of, uh, certainly with regards to confidentiality and potentially data leaks of proprietary information. Uh, so I think a good example, you know, already from the real world is uh, programming and disclosure of uh, source code. Uh, there are some tech companies that are already banning the use of you know, unauthorized tools such as ChatGPT uh, for fear of their competition getting access to their intellectual property. Uh, and you know, by the very nature of these publicly accessible learning systems, they are ingesting lots and lots of information and they are being constantly trained on that, you know, on those new incoming questions and uh, on the feedback on how to respond better. Uh, so really whatever you write into chat GPT, whatever information you give it, you know, whatever feedback you give it, uh, open AI or, you know, the other, whatever other, other company system you're using, uh, in the case of chat GPT, open AI is already storing that information somewhere, uh, and they have access to it and they use it to, you know, to review how the system is performing and to improve it. And there are human analysts who are, you know, getting their uh, eyes on this kind of information. Uh, but also, you know, it might end up being accessed by cyber criminals in case of a data breach. Uh, and there, there has already been at least one uh, data breach of OpenAI that, you know, that's been disclosed that we know of. Uh, and this could obviously be a huge risk for all kinds of proprietary financial or research or personal information. Uh, you know, so with regards to confidentiality, I think that maybe over time as more specialized systems are developed uh, and, you know, there's software emerging that make confidentiality their selling point and they start to serve a specific purpose and a specific market vertical that may become less of an issue over time certainly at this at this point in time definitely a concern to have uh, i think another one uh, that we cannot forget about is uh I, I you know i love the name hallucinations i just think it's it's such a evocative word to use uh so with all these uh, predictive language models uh the you know, the fact right now, like these systems, they, sem they simply cannot be relied on for providing factual information uh, because they are predictive models. And they, what they do is they tend to kind of expect what should be the next word in the sentence. Uh, so what they can very well end up doing is just hallucinate facts. Uh, so what that means, they just make stuff up, <laughs> plainly just make stuff up and can very convincingly do so, right? They can insist on things that are simply not real, uh, you know, for example, coming up with very convincingly sounding names of research papers that have never actually been written. Uh, so, you know, a human operator, a person reading that uh, who may not be an expert in that particular area and is, you know, using that kind of a system to, to learn something, to, to, you know, get some information that they don't know, uh, may very well believe that at face value, right? Uh, so that's obviously obviously something that needs to be considered and it should be a concern for organizations that, you know, for now, we, we simply can't take an answer from a system like ChatGPT Chat for granted without fact-checking it. Mm -hmm. mm, and there, you know, there are also, uh, I think, very important ethical concerns to keep in mind. Uh, things like, you know, what data went into training of a particular AI model. Uh, and as a result, what biases it holds and how it will perpetuate them and how that can affect people and mm -hmm. businesses. So how can AI impact organizations' future? Yeah, I think this is uh, where we can truly get speculative when, you know, when talking about future, the future of AI in organizations. Uh, 
so Stephanie, like this may take a bit of a weird turn, right? But bear with me. I don't know how often you talk on this podcast about science fiction. It has come up before, so I'm definitely curious to see where you're going. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah, I am a huge fan of science fiction novels, right? I won't, I won't hide that. Uh, and I've recently read a great new book called The Mountain in the Sea by Ray Naylor. Uh, and it deals with, uh, with the concepts of non-human and artificial intelligence. And I highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in this topic. Uh, so this book, The Mountain in the Sea, it describes a world in which corporations have developed these AI systems, which you know over time become completely beyond human ability to comprehend them and their scope and their decision making, uh, and then there are these uh, you know these AI driven systems that have completely transformed these organizations in turn and have basically taken over uh, and are making all the business decisions with you know no transparency and with very little ethical considerations. Uh, you know, and as sci-fi tends to go, it's it's pretty dystopian in its in its vi vision of the future of AI uh, within organizations. Uh, you know, and I think it can be considered pretty far-fetched from where we are right now. Uh, you know, but I think imagining the future—that's really the point of sci-fi, and you know, why I like it to imagine what the future can look like when you take an idea like AI and you turn it up to eleven. Uh, you know, so I think it's worth bearing in mind that there have been many, many technologies, you know, before AI that were imagined by sci-fi writers, uh, and that over time they have become our reality as we know it. So maybe it takes, you know, 20 or 30 years after the books come out and then we get hyperlinked internet or we get virtual reality or we get smartphones. Uh, so, you know, you know, all these are technologies that sci-fi authors came up with first before they were made a reality. Uh, and, you know, with the pace of these AI models, at the pace that they are, that they are progressing at currently, uh, getting so much better year after year, you know, I think it's going to be much faster than the 20 or 30 years that we can start see some of these, uh, you know, realities posed by these books coming out nowadays really, uh, really uh, become our reality. Uh, you know, for example, currently AI researchers are working on making these technologies self-generative. Uh, so that means, right, they are already capable of writing working software code for applications. Uh, but then the next step would be to make these AI systems write new AI systems. Uh, you know, and at that point when that can be achieved, the progress really can become exponential. Uh, you know, and as exponential things go, they are very difficult for us humans to comprehend. And, you know, I think it's almost impossible for us to really imagine what the impact on the future of organizations may be as a result of that. Um, you know, it may be, and again, I'm being speculative here in this answer, but it may be that we will get to a place where business leaders are faced with a decision. Um, do I invest more and more heavily in AI and you know, even if I don't understand it fully, what it does, and I let it make more decisions for me, and maybe I have to let some people go as a result of that, uh, or you know, do I hold back and risk that our comp competitors use these kinds of systems to get mm -hmm. ahead of us, and then we end up losing relevance, right? So that's a mm -hmm. pretty fundamental impact on the future or even the existence of, of any organization. And I think then the question becomes, you know, can a business stay relevant without reliance on these types of systems? And, you know, again, at the moment, we don't know the answer yet. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you can guess what I'm leaning towards <laughs> in my perspective. Uh, you know, and then 
looking to the to the future, uh, you know, some AI researchers claim that really any information job that can be done remotely uh, can also be done by, by AI system, and that this will eventually happen. You know, and I, I look at that and I kind of ask myself the question: What does that you know? What does that hold for for me and you know for for my colleagues at at IdeaGen and at Compliance Path? Uh, you know, and what the, what that could like look like in a business. Uh, you know, if we think of a, a generalized intelligence uh, system that is so sophisticated that a CEO of a company could ask it, you know, look at all this data that we have across all our departments and just make this important strategic decision for me, right? So at that point, we'll we're really getting quite close to that vision that that I said earlier that Ray Naylor painted in his in his novel. Well, thank you for that book recommendation. I'm a big reader, so I certainly appreciate a good book recommendation. Um, yeah, and I, I'm definitely, I agree with with what you're saying. I think that there's a lot of um, just opportunity and and it's a very good point about just looking forward and looking ahead and predictions and, and that perspective on it. So that's really, really interesting. Um, I read a blog recently from the Institute of Internal Auditors here in North America, and it said their perspective, it said, um, AI won't replace auditors, but AI, but sorry, I'm going to butcher it. Okay. AI won't replace auditors, but auditors using AI will replace auditors. And I thought that was really, really a good quote. Um, and, and I think you could almost extrapolate that to our software here at IdeaGen. Um, I don't think AI will replace our software, but our audit software using AI will replace just regular audit software. So, you know, this is here and we have to embrace it. And I think there's a lot of benefits um, but all that being said, I mean, how can organizations stay AI safe? Yeah, I think I totally agree with what, what you quoted there about, you know, uh, say software uh, using AI, uh, replacing software that doesn't use AI. Uh, and I think, you know, staying AI safe, that's, that's, part, of, that's part of it, part of, you know, staying relevant. Uh, I think right now, uh, I would recommend for any organization to you know, develop a policy on the use of publicly available AI tools like ChatGPT. If it's not, not already in place, uh, it really should be developed as a matter of priority because that's something that already exists, something that, you know, uh, workers, uh, employees can already make use of. Uh, so that's something that definitely needs to be addressed as soon as possible in your, uh, in your compliance systems. Uh, so the policy should really, you know, should really document what's allowed and what's not allowed. Uh, but it really needs to be realistic. So what I mean by that is we're very quickly reaching a critical point, right, uh, where these various tools are so widely available. And I think it would really be organizational suicide to just put a blanket ban on them. Uh, you know, it's a bit like banning a calculator or, or Excel. Uh, and to be frank, I have been in organizations that banned the use of Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, there were good compliance reasons for that. But then, of course, the problem whenever you ban a tool like that is that, you know, you end up making people's job more difficult uh, when you take it away. Uh, and then you're expecting people to find a way around it, to lose efficiency. Uh, you know, and I think people will do their best to, you know, go around a policy like that, whether we in the compliance space like that or not. 
so yeah, I would start with a with a realistic policy and the use of uh, AI tools, uh, and then I think next, you know, from that to to stay relevant uh, would be to develop a strategy on AI implementation and really setting aside investment into this area, uh, you know, and I think that's particular particularly important in in the uh, information businesses and software companies, like you said, looking into. Uh, you know how AI tools can be incorporated, what can be developed, and how to you know keep that relevance. Uh, and I think you know in that uh, in that effort, the organizations will need to develop a real understanding and really stay up to date on what technologies are emerging from the AI space uh, that can help them become more effective. Uh, and of course, all that you know while keeping in mind the concerns that we discussed earlier, the privacy and security issues and mitigating against bias, and obviously also compliance uh, with regulations in the space, which are also starting to emerge. Uh, I think lagging behind uh, the, uh, the technological developments, as is usually the case, but nonetheless, uh, something to, to keep in mind. Uh, I think choosing the right solutions and the right providers and being really diligent in assessing them uh, and then having human oversight of critical areas and of critical decisions, that will be really key to staying safe. So I think to, to summarize in general, in order to stay AI safe and keep our organizations AI safe, to some extent, I think we all have to become much more AI aware. Uh, and that is something that should be seen as a priority and that business leaders have a key role to play. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Boage, and and I think those are some very good, practical, concrete things that that audit, that auditors can do, um, given the fact that AI is so pervasive and is now part of our world. So thank you for that. Um, any other final thoughts on? Um, on this topic that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Yeah, I think one more thing that comes up for me, you know, when we're talking about auditing, kind of looking at it from the other perspective, we've talked a lot today about, you know, how auditors can use AI systems to help them in conducting their tasks, uh, you know, how, how, the, how these tools can help with monitoring compliance and so on. But then the other aspect of it that we haven't really touched on, and I think is worth mentioning uh, is, the flip side to it, right? So auditing of AI systems and or auditing of, uh, you know, decisions that have been made with the help of AI systems, uh, you know, and really how to do that, how to, uh, you know, as an auditor, how to uh, understand where a particular decision came from and whether, you know, whether it complies with what the controls and the given organization uh, are uh, require. I think that is a you know that is going to be an emerging area of um, of challenges for for internal auditors uh, when it comes to making these uh, these kinds of audits where you know where with the growing use of AI systems uh, comes into play uh, and I think that's that's a problem that's uh, well or it's a concern or a challenge that's more um, I think it's called. Uh, the 
I think it's accountability and kind of a transparency of, of how these decisions are being made and what the outcomes are from them. Uh, you know, and I think that's a completely new area for internal auditors that uh, they will have to that they will have to start considering and uh, you know and really understand uh, how decisions and uh, the execution of controls is affected by these AI-based tools. So, if someone wants to hear more about your thoughts or your um, just suggestions or, or wants to follow up on anything that you've said today, where can someone find you? Uh, yeah, so I would yeah, very much appreciate uh, if someone wanted to reach out to me, I'd be happy to continue this conversation. Uh, I think the best place would be to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and that's uh, my full name. That's Braja Yendras. Uh, and you'll find in the show notes how that's spelled because my pronunciation will not help you. Uh, Yes, I think LinkedIn would be the best place. Uh, thanks, Stephanie. Perfect. Thank you so much, Boaje. I'm so glad you were a part of this podcast with me. I learned a lot myself, and and I'm I think we're very fortunate here at IdeaGen to have you as part of our family. And and I just look forward to personally talking to you more about this going forward and how we can really um, incorporate these concepts into our software that that we are. Um, that we're continuing to constantly improve. So thank you very, very much for your time today. Great. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been a really great pleasure to be here today. And uh, thank you for having me. Ideagen Insights.